One may not cause the extinguishing of the candle. A candle that was placed uh, by, behind the door. It's forbidden to open the door in the regular manner, lest the wind blow it out. But to close the door nearby, mutar is permissible. And same thing would be for a window that is near the candle that's on the table. Continues If it's fixed to the wall that's behind the door, it's forbidden to open the door and to close it in the regular manner. For perhaps the door will uh, hit it and extinguish it. But one should open it and close it gently. If it's attached to the actual door itself, that by opening or closing the door, you end up drawing the oil towards the flame or distancing it from it, then it's forbidden to open or close that door. can open and close the door, even though it's attached to the door. Base. It's forbidden to open a door that is near a uh, fire, uh, that's a little close to the door, even if it's just a regular wind. But if it's already open toward the it's permissible to close it, and there's no concern of extinguishing. If you forgot a candle on top of a board. You can shake the board and allow the candle to fall. Even if it's lit, as long as you don't intend to extinguish it. It's better to use a gentle when it's not so necessary. As long as it is a wax candle the like, or that it doesn't have any oil there, but if there, it has oil, it's impossible that you won't draw it close to the wick and cause it to burn stronger. And if you place the candle on that board intentionally, it's forbidden to shake it, because the board has now become a foundation for something or for something that's forbidden. It is permissible to touch the board because it is because he's not moving the candle similarly one can touch a candelabrum in shul even though it has candles burning on it as long as you don't move it it's permissible to place shabbos candles on friday atop a tree and it will burn there on shabbos there's no concern that when it extinguishes that you'll take it off and then you're using something that's attached to the ground. You can't place a yomtiv candle on a tree because you will take it off and use it and there, thereby be using it, the tree on Shabbos. It is permissible to put place a utensil over a candle on Shabbos so that the flame doesn't catch onto the wooden beam. That you can extinguish a candle for someone who is ill. Someone who is dangerously ill, one can extinguish a candle in order that they should be able to sleep. 
Simon Reishayin test in a tiltil on Shabbos by Zion's Ifrim, the loss of carrying a candle on Shabbos. Aleph Nereshit, look at Boyd Boyd Shabbos, Avapishikava, also the Tadloi. A candle that was lit uh, and was a light on that Shabbos, even though it went out, is forbidden to move it. Also, the leftover oil uh, left in the candle that you'd use to light on that Shabbos, also the Tadloi, you're not allowed to move it, let's talk about Boyd Shabbos and to use it for another purpose on that Shabbos. Base. This candle that we say it's forbidden to move. Even for the purposes of the body or the place of the candle is forbidden. Some permit it, and it doesn't seem right. Someone who is finicky and the candle is disgusting to him, it's permissible for him to remove it. Because for him, it's like a pot of waste. And one who is strict did not, does not lose anything. It's forbidden to carry a candle by placing a, some bread upon it on Shabbos. If you placed uh, bread on it, like on the candle lamp before Shabbos, there are those that permit carrying the candle uh, using the ruse of the bread, but one should not rely upon it. If one made a condition on Friday that one would move this candelabrum when it goes out, it is permissible to move it once it has gone out. Some say that the condition doesn't work, and that's our minuk. And our custom is to move it by having a Gentile do it, and there's no concern of telling a Gentile to do work on Shabbos that's forbidden. Since that's the custom, it's just like one made that precondition before Shabbos, and that would make it permitted as mentioned. Let's say you lit a candle on Shabbos for a woman who was giving birth, or for an ill person, and the woman giving birth gave birth, or the ill person was healed, you can move it if it was extinguished. Similarly, if one lit a candle by accident and it went out, you can move it. A candle that you didn't light on that Shabbos, even if it's earthenware, which is disgusting, even if it's resin that smells. It's permissible to move it. Because muksa, on account of disgust, is permissible to move on Shabbos. Zayin. Menara ben Gudel ben Katana, a candelabrum, whether big or small, im he shall prokim, if it's made up of sections, im matatla noisa, one cannot move it. Because we're concerned that it might fall and and come apart, and you'll then put it back together, which means that you're building a utensil on Shabbos. Uh, even if it's not made up of separate sections, but it does have grooves all around it, and it's like it's of separate sections, it's forbidden to move it. Simon Reish Pei. Tashmah Shemitah B'Shabbos Avod Basis Ifim. Marital relations on Shabbos. Aleph. Tashmah Shemitah B'Tam Nuk Shabbos Ho. Marital relations is a pleasure on Shabbos. Lafichach O'Enus Amadichachom Habriyim Lel Shabbos Lel Shabbos. Therefore, the time of frequency for Tamadichachomim, who were healthy, is each Friday night. Beis. It's permissible to have relations with a virgin on Shabbos. And there's no concern about causing a wound or any suffering. One should not bow when one reads the words 
One should not bow when one reads those words. Because we only bow in the places that our sages instructed us to. And we are accustomed on Shabbos in the morning. We come a little later than we do during the week. Because in the daily sacrifice of the weekday, it says in the morning, but by Shabbos, it says over Yom HaShabbos, in the day of Shabbos, which sounds later. And we are accustomed to increase the songs of Shabbos each place according to its minhag. And with all of these things, if you didn't say it, we don't make you go back. Unless you miss the paragraph in Berchus Krishma of Lokele Shabbos, then you do have to go back. And one should extend and sing extra songs and one shouldn't uh, protest against those who extend. Even though the person who's protesting is concerned about less time to learn Torah. One shouldn't go overboard in Shabbos. In order that you should be able to eat before noon, as we shall say soon. The laws of Torah reading and have Torah on Shabbos. We take out Sefer Torah and we have seven aliyos. And if you want to add aliyos, you may do so. Also on Yom Tov, we can add to the call-ups. And some say that on Yom Tov, one should not add, and that's our custom in these countries, except for on Simchasara that we add a lot. And also on every Yom Tov, the one who is called up from after is not included in the count of those who are called up. It's permissible to call up many people, even though the next person called up repeats what the other person already read. Nevertheless, he still makes another bracha. There's no concern. And there are those that prohibit such a practice. And this is our custom in these countries. Except on Simchas Torah, when the custom is to call up many people, but the custom is like the first opinion. All can be included in the seven, even women and children who know how to to whom they make the bracha. But our sages said a woman should not read from the Torah in the congregation because of the honor of the congregation. Says the Ramah. And when we say that they can be part of it, it means that they can be part of it, but not that they should all be women or children that are called up. We didn't have a Kanan Kedin Isha, and a uh, servant is like a woman in this regard. Well, but if he has a Jewish mother, then there's no concern, and he may get an aliyah. It's forbidden to read from the Torah with an uncovered head. And there's no prohibition to call up an Amaaretz who is honorable, wealthy, or a great leader of the generation before Torah scholars. Because this isn't a disgrace to Tamil Chachamim, rather, it's an honor to the Torah that is honored with great people. And a Mamzer is allowed to be called up. 
The custom is we call up seven people and we complete the parasha and say Kaddish. And then the person called up for Maftir rereads what the person called up for Shvi has already read. We're also custom on Yamtav that the Maftir is not one of the people who are called up. But during the week, when it's forbidden to add extra call-ups, then Shlishi is the Maftir. And on a day that we take out two or three Sifritarah, the Maftir reads from the last one. And a child may read from the Maftir, that we, the additional Maftir reading that we have on Yom Tov, or one of the four parishes that we read during Adar, and that's the custom. Even though there are those who disagree, and we say Kaddish before Maftir is called up. And there's no difference whether they added extra call ups or not, or whether they took out one Torah or three separate Torah. Hey, if the only person who knows how to do, recite the Haftar is someone who was already called to the Torah, and the Shleach Tzibur already recited Kaddish after the conclusion of the Parashah. The person who wants to recite the Maftir needs to reread and make a bracha for his rereading at the beginning and end. Sends the Ramah. If he did not yet say Kaddish, then the person who was called out for Shvi should recite the Haftarah if he knows how to. But if there are others who know how to recite the Haftarah, the person, someone who was already called up, should not do the Haftarah. Vav. If the Balkara erred and concluded the parsha with Shishi and said Kaddish, he needn't, we needn't call up a seventh. But the Maftir should read what the Shishi read. Because the halacha is that the Maftir can count as one of the seven. If they read the parasha at the beginning of Shachris and Shabbos and they skip one pasuk, then they need to read that pasuk with two additional verses. Even if they already recite the Haftarah and Dam Musaf Chazav Kare, they must go back and reread. Why don't we take out two Sifri Torah on Shabbos versus Sifri Echad? The reason we don't take out a second Sifri Torah on Shabbos to read the section in Pashat Pinchas that deals with the Musaf of Shabbos is because it only contains two verses. Simon Reish Peidal. It didn't have Torah because several volumes are even the laws of the Torah and its brachas. The Haftarah should have the same idea as the Parsha. There should be no less than 21 verses in the Haftarah unless the idea has finished. For example, So the Haftarah that comes from Yirmiyahu, chapter 7, where in less than 21 Psukim, we already conclude that idea. Says and it's only on Shabbos that we need 21 verses. Gimel Psukim Lechol Echad Menakrim, which corresponds to three verses for each of the call-ups. Abel Yamtiv Shikaran Hei Sagim Tesop Psukim. But on Yamtiv, when we call out five people, then we would only need 15 verses. Lenitkan Haftar Rapid Sibur, Achashikar and the Haftarah was only instituted to be read in the congregation after they read from the Torah. But if you don't have a Tzibor, then it's forbidden to read the Haftarah with the Brachas before and after. But you can read it without the Brachas. 
The Maftir doesn't mention Rosh Chodesh. Even though he doesn't mention the Rosh Chodesh in the Brachas, there are those that say that it is included in the middle of the Brachas. But the custom is like the first opinion that it's not mentioned at all. You need to focus on the people who make the brachas when they call to the Torah or the Haftarah and answer Amen. And that way, your response of Amen will count as brachas towards the hundred brachas that you need to make every day because you're going to have deficiency on Shabbos because there's less brachas in the Shemayin Esrei. Dalit. A minor can be called for Maftir. Says Ramavim. Karl Maftir. Misha any day. Loimar Haftarah. Yochel Acher Amra. And if they called for Mafti, somebody who doesn't know how to recite Haftarah, someone else can recite it, but in the first instance, it's forbidden to do so. Hey, if the Maftir lost his voice in the middle of the Haftarah, the person who comes to take his place shouldn't begin from the place where he stopped, but he needs to go back to the beginning, like in a Sevitarah. And two people shouldn't recite the Haftarah together at once because two voices cannot be heard. The Maftir shouldn't begin his Haftarah until they've completed Galila. On a Shabbos where you've got two Parshas joined together, we say the Haftarah of the second Parshas. And we are accustomed after reading the Torah to mention the souls of the departed and to bless those who are engaged with the needs of the community. Every place is going to its minhag. We are accustomed to say you can purkan. There's no concern about supplication on Shabbos. And we also say any day that we don't say in the afternoon, we do not recite Avarachamim in the morning. Also, if there is a wedding or a bris, and some places they don't say it when they bench the new month, except for the days of Sarah. And in all of these issues, we follow the local minhag. That one should read the parasha twice and the uncles once. Even though a person hears the entire Torah reading each Shabbos with the congregation, nevertheless, he needs to read for himself each parsha each week, twice each verse, and once the translation, even the words of cities. If you learnt the parasha with Rashi's explanation, it's considered like the translation. And someone who fears heaven should both do the Unclos and Rashi. From Sunday onwards, it's considered that you can do this because it's considered this is part of the congregational piece. The ideal way of doing this mitzvah is to complete it before you eat for Shabbos. And if you didn't complete it before eating, you can complete it after eating up until Mincha, and some say until the following Wednesday. Some say until the following Shminyatzer, mean to say that you can catch up all the way until Simchas Torah when the community finishes reading the Torah. One can read the Mavisedra while the community, while the congregation is reading from the Torah. 
Those who are teaching children don't need to review it once again and read it uh, on Shabbos. You don't need to be Mabasedra for the Yomtev laning. Says the Ramah, you don't need to read the Haftaras. We're accustomed to read the Haftaras. And on a Shabbos of a wedding, uh, you, we read the regular Haftarah and not one that's specific for weddings. The laws of Musaf and Shabbos. The time of Musaf is immediately after Shabbos. And one shouldn't delay it more than past 1 p.m. If you daven later than that, you're called a sinner. Nevertheless, you've still fulfilled your obligation because it's time is all day. And if you forgot and didn't daven until the entire day passed, there's no way to remedy and And even if you daven Musaf before Shachris, you fulfilled your obligation. Every individual needs to daven Musaf, whether there's a congregation in the city or not. Says We also have a Chazar a repetition for Musaf, just like any other of the Shachris Mincha. Gimel. One may have something to eat before Musaf. Dino achilas peres erfilo pas muat erfilo teimashish ba'al kadei lisaid halev aval suuda aser. Mean to say that you can eat some fruit or even a little bread or even some food that would make you a little satisfied, but a complete meal is forbidden. If you have two prayers to daven, you now need to daven both mincha and musaf. Like, for example, you delayed davening musaf until 12.30, which is now already mincha time. Then you should daven mincha first and then musaf. But if you did do musaf first, you've still fulfilled your obligation. Continue. And some say that's only if right now you need to daven both of them. Like, for example, you want to eat, and it's forbidden to eat until you daven mincha. But if there's no need right now to daven mincha, then you can give musaf precedence, priority. However, if the time for mincha katana, the, late, the time two and a half hours before sunset arrived, then you should daven mincha first. There are those that have instructed that we shouldn't do this in the congregation to put mincha before musaf because that would confuse people. Hey, we don't say baruch after the final kaddish. Comforting the mourners and visiting the sick on Shabbos. We can comfort the mourners on Shabbos. We can also uh, visit the sick. You shouldn't greet him the same way that you say during the week. Rather say to him, It's Shabbos and we shouldn't scream out, but the uh, healing will come soon. And God's mercy is great and uh, one may be settled in peace. Says the Ramav, and some say we don't have to say the second part of the blessing, and that's Alminak. The laws of fasting on Shabbos. It's forbidden to fast on Shabbos all the way until noon, says the Even if you're learning and davening, it's forbidden. Some say that some, for a person for whom eating is harmful, 
And as such, it's more of a pleasure for him not to eat. Lo yochal, he should not eat. Says Also, someone who has pleasure when he cries, so that the pain departs from his heart. But to live goes for Shabbos, is allowed to cry on Shabbos. Someone who fasts every day and eating on Shabbos then causes him pain because it changes the normal way of doing things. Some say that many Hasidim and pious people uh, would fast on Shabbos for this reason, and they say that this is what Rabbi Yehuda Hasid would do. It's permissible to fast a fast for a bad dream in order that his bad decree should be broken. And you need to fast on Sunday in order to atone for the fact that he negated the pleasure of Shabbos. If he's weak and he can't fast two days consecutively, then he shouldn't fast on Sunday, he should fast afterwards. And how much more so if Sunday was Hanukkah, even if it's the second day Yom Tov, he shouldn't fast, he should delay the fast till afterwards. Some say one who sleeps takes a nap in the afternoon and had a bad dream. Should fast from noon till midnight, and then he should make up Shabbos. But still on Sunday, he should fast as if he had fasted all of Shabbos and he needs to do Kapara. Hey, Some say that one should only fast a fast for a dream on Shabbos for a dream that he saw three times. That nowadays we shouldn't fast a dream fast on Shabbos. Because we're not expert in solving dreams to know which is good and which is bad. And people say that it's found in the original Sfarim, that for three types of dreams one fasts on Shabbos. These are they. One who sees the Sefer Torah burning. Or Yom Kippur at the time of an Ila, a Kuras Beso, a Shin of Shnaflu, or the beams of his house, or his teeth falling. Some say one who sees Yom Kippur, even not at Nila time. Some say one who sees that he's reading in the Torah. And some say one who sees that he's getting married. And this that we say, your teeth falling out. That's specifically your teeth. But if someone saw his cheeks that were shriveling, uh, it's a good dream. Because it represents that those who sought bad counsel for him have deceased. And it would appear to me that the dreams discussed in the Gemara that are bad, you also should fast for those on Shabbos. One who fasts on Shabbos says, he should say Aneno after he completes his davening without the end of the bracha and just include it in the ultimate paragraph after the extra paragraph of the postscript of the say after his davening he should say the prayer master of the universe it's clear to you as one would say during the week.